Wakey Wakey. Dublay shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. We're back for another week. It's over halfway in the year. I'm freezing my hands off and and life's good. <laughs> good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure where you are going with that. but um, I never am sure until it's out of my mouth and into the microphone. Yeah, yep. about <laughs> this time come. of the year I start to get real edgy about the footy. I had the good fortune of going and watching my Saints play the Suns on the weekend. Uh, mm. Suns had sacked their coach. Anyway, Ooh. anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great time of the year. I love that sort of July, August, September. I just love this time of the year. It's sort of depths of cold but starting to get slightly warmer, at least in Queensland. Look, there's many things to love about winter, but I also I, – it is that time of year though mm. where you go – Far out. I've I've not had like a proper holiday for a while and, yeah. and I could I could maybe use a bit of a reset. Yeah. And then obviously everyone on Instagram is in Europe. So you're kinda of going, hmm, maybe I should get away. Maybe I should yeah. dabble in a little trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going away just, next week actually on the Monday oh. Monday to Wednesday, just heading down to uh northern New South Wales, Kingscliff for um Mo- Monday to Wednesday. That, Monday to Wednesday, that's... yeah. Well we got our uh, we got the the uh like Leadership meetings and all that Thursday for Friday. So, plus, I just wanted—I just wanted a few a few days. I just wanted effectively a mm. five-day weekend. Yeah, I felt that's enough just to break up the year. It's a busy time of the year. I don't like taking too much time off. I agree um, with that. This time of the year, I agree. But a reset is immensely important when you work oh, in massive. your job, your job. You work in overtime. You're, you're yeah. working. You're working as the man for the man. Whatever it is, you're always working for the tax man, really. So, yeah. um, it it also got me thinking, though. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we live in this life where I like love my job, so it's not really. Uh, I think you're the same, so it's not really uh, too much of of a chore, if you will. There are things I don't particularly like doing, <laughs> but that's anything life, with right? a spreadsheet, really, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's just a bit overwhelming at times. <laughs> um, but noted that you've noticed that. Yeah. Um, but it got me thinking, you know, and and reflecting with some of my friends. I heard in hospitality at the moment the minimum wage is $28 an hour and it got me thinking about mm. my first job and because mm. it was at City Beach, which was yep. the killer surf shop when I was about 14 yeah. Yeah. years old. Uh, so I, I must have been like the surf shop from like the early 2000s to like maybe late teens. I'm not yep. sure. You don't see it yep. in Melbourne anymore, so I haven't really had much exposure to it. Yep. But Roxy, Billabong, Quicksilver, like yep. they were the clothes to wear. So naturally yep. that's where you wanted your first job yep. Yep. really. Yep. That that was my first job. I earned $8.20 an hour and I thought I was absolutely Killing it, killing it. I was thirteen and nine months. Didn't wait a second to get a job. Yeah. Didn't wait a second. That was the that was the earliest you could work. Yeah. And I blew my first paycheck on this dress that is hideous <laughs> in hindsight. But it was the first eighty bucks I'd yeah. spent that I'd earned all by myself. Yeah. No parentals. No pocket money. Yeah. I could buy whatever I want, and I absolutely blew it. Yeah. Yeah. My, what was your first job? Well, my, mine was um, the paper run. Actually, I think I was I was 
I think you could do the paper run before you were you were 14. So you could do it. I'm going to say I was in grade seven or eight. So, so maybe 12, 13, um, 14. And, and it'd be every every Wednesday morning. So the papers would get delivered on a Tuesday night to our house. Oh, before school. Yes. Yep. I'd have to, um, I'd have to mm. like put them in little um, wrappers and fold them up and then get them <laughs> ready for the next morning. And then I'd take my pushy around at, uh, at sort of five, six a.m. in the morning for a couple of hours and then uh, go to school. And it was tough work, like earn about a hundred bucks, a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. Um, but it was, it was a lot of work. Particularly work. The packing the newspapers was the worst part. Riding your bike around and delivering them—that was easy. You're just riding your bike around and throwing—you know—that was fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think I don't know. Producer Jordan, do you say you, you might have done the paper run at one yeah, point? I, too? I did the paper run. Not a good memory doing the paper run for me. <laughs> that was my. my did you get my, bitten by a dog? My or fingertips something? were bruised. I had the was cold dual backpacks either side of the yeah. handlebars. Yeah. And every curb was just a nightmare waiting a few, to happen. Few, few dogs <laughs> would chase you, and uh, yeah. The, there's there's easier ways to make money, uh, but when you're 12, it's all you got. Uh, you're you know, 12, like you and, and hundred bucks a lot of money money when you're 12, like incredible oh. amount of money. Yeah, and and, and might, it might have I only mean, been 80 bucks in hindsight, but but either way, it was a lot of money at the time. Like I, I was stoked with it. Well, if the average lolly bag back then was like 30 cents, that, that 80 dollars goes a long way because that's all you're buying <laughs> really when you're like 12. Yeah. You're buying a lolly bag. Yeah, well, I, I, do, I, do, I, I remember I had to rope my mum and sisters into helping and dad. So mum oh. listens to the podcast. She's probably probably like triggering a little bit of, uh, <laughs> you know, anxiety or something for her. She's doing work before your, before the school drop off, before she goes <laughs> oh, to her no, job. Yeah, and the night before. Yeah. Oh, Leanne, but you're yeah, wrapping, wrapping the newspapers, Jordan, was the worst part, don't yeah. you think? Oh, definitely. You get oh. blisters on the tip of your fingers. It, was it takes so long. Not a good time. Yeah. Manual. That's proper manual labor. I can't I can't remember like before my formal job, like employed, had to get superannuation account like at 13 and nine months. Like how funny is that? Yeah. I can't remember right now, uh, you know, what other ways I did to, to earn money before that because there's always something though, isn't it? But it's usually like your parents bribing you to do chores around the house. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly for got, me it was. I think I got paid in cash. But, uh, cars, and, and, washing and, your parents' cars. And probably a decent segue here, uh, cash. Let's talk about cash because, you know, I'm, yes, I'm a big fan. Talk. I'm a big Ditto. fan of cash. And yeah. uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia, once a year, they do a uh, like a study on how many Australians use cash. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always really interested in in what they find. And yeah. uh, and I guess no surprise, the cash cash usage is dwindling. Uh, so, so we're using less mm. and less cash. Uh, I don't more, support this. More and more, uh, you know, outlets and companies don't even let you pay with cash these days. That if you go to a, me. If you go to a stadium, for example, you can't buy a, a you know, a hot dog and pie and, and beer, you know, without, you with your cash. You've got to use your, your pay pass. Hmm. Um, some interesting findings. So 72% of Australians low cash users, um, which means that they use cash for 20% or less of, of their, their spending. Uh, that is down uh, from... Fifty percent. Oh, sorry, that's up rather from fifty percent in twenty nineteen. So we're using uh, less and less. Fifty percent of Australians don't use cash at all. Fifty percent of Australians do not use cash at all. Mm, yep. And about five percent uh, say they use cash for all of their in-person 
um, uh, transactions, and that was down from 10% in 2019. Um, and then fi- finally, probably no surprise, but the biggest drops in leisure. So all of our discretionary mm. spending down from uh, 80% uh, to yep. 25%. Transport, so I guess fuel and and the like, uh, down from eighty percent to five percent, and bills because a lot of the uh, the the bills these days are done on on BPay and and transfer, yes. uh, down from seventy percent to to twenty five percent, which it even surprised me that that twenty five percent of people pay their bills with cash. But um, I mean, what they must be going to Australia Post and 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 literally paying them there. Well, yeah. How else do you pay for your or you? I don't yeah. know. It, I it don't is know higher, It's higher in regional areas than than cities. Uh, there you go. As well, so there you go. Convenience. And, I, I must say, hmm. like cash, cash is inconvenient. It, it it is inconvenient because you get coins yeah. or you get told we don't take cash. Yeah. Uh, like it's you're worried about losing it. It it is inconvenient, but I still really enjoy using it. Well, controversially, the ANZ is no longer holding cash in a lot of their branches. Um, and there's been a bit of outrage uh, about yeah. that, that there's literally all these branches now that don't have any cash. So if you, even if you wanted to draw out cash, uh, you couldn't. Uh, tell me, would you be inconvenienced? Would you be inconvenienced if you were not allowed to draw out cash? Yes. It, okay, you would be. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, one in four Australians say they would be. So we're in the minority. So I'm with you. I, I would be inconvenienced. Yes. Yes. Yes, I would. And you know, also too, like we, I was, I sold a car recently, and and um and Mitch, who works with us, Schmitty, he sold one recently too, and we it got us talking about the safest way to actually transact those items, those one-off items, those yep. big-ticket items that it's the only foolproof, you know, trusting transaction yep. is cash. Yeah. And yes, yeah, some of you pay ID or you know, but no, no, no. You those things take time. There's a delay. You don't know, and you're both, you know, buyer and seller are both having this moment where they don't trust each other. Yeah. <laughs> nor should you. Nor should you. And the only way is cash. So if I walked into NAB, who I've banked with since you know my job at 13 and nine months, alongside my my first ever superannuation account, and they said, "Nah, sorry, we don't, we don't, we're cashless now. We won't." I would be paved, paved. Yep. Would it yep. make me move my bank? I'm, I'm not really sure, but it'd, I'd be very inconvenienced, yeah. It's it's more for those one-offs or, you know, like if you owe your mate money or, or you know, I, I'm not to sound self-righteous, but I often keep money in my card to, to give it to homeless people because there's quite a lot around the area I see and there's two different intersections that always have guys that do the, the windscreen. Jeez, I love giving. Monday Saint. Yeah, well, it's good. To, anyway, wow, but, but the point course, is, rallies. like, what what are those people going to do? What are You're those right. people going to do right. if we if we can't give them cash? What are they going to do? Yeah. Um. So hey, um, it, it bothers me. Another question, and oh, okay. I'll paint some context here. I want to know how much cash would be sitting in your wallet right now, because thirty um, percent, only thirty percent of Australians make one withdrawal or more a month. From an ATM or um, or from from an outlet where they actually draw out cash, only thirty percent. Um, an average average person makes yes. two withdrawals a month for a hundred dollars, and that's down from you know most people were making four withdrawals so one one a week. Uh, this time three years ago before the pandemic, uh, cash held in 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 their wallet. Thirty percent of people have no cash on them. 
there is another sort of 15, 20% that have got less than 20 bucks in cash in their wallet. Uh, 30% have got somewhere between 20 and $100 and about 25% just under more than 100 bucks in their wallet. How much cash would be in your wallet right now? I, I know I've got $120 in there right now because okay. I, I bought a coffee with it this morning. I love buying uh, okay. my coffee for $5 with cash Okay, if I've got it. Love that. Yeah. Um, but I I mean, I don't really care what term. I, I, I take out 300 bucks a, a week um, and that's typically like my weekly spendings. It's coffee and, yeah. you know, like not great at packing my lunch. <laughs> Same. So. Same. I draw, out, I draw out 200 bucks every Friday. And so right, we're, we're recording, recording on the Wednesday. It's, um, so it's now down to 80. So I'm, I'm less than 100 technically. It depends which day of the, the week you're, you're surveying me. Uh, last one here, cash outside your wallet. 30% of people say that they keep uh, cash, uh, sorry, 45% of people, so mm. roughly half, say even though they don't have cash in their wallet, they do have cash stashed. sitting outside their wallet stashed somewhere, whether it's under stashed. the mattress or what, who knows, and 30% yes. of people say, uh, so 30% of the 45-odd say that it's more than 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I've you got, got cash, cash outside your mattress is yeah, my definitely. last question. Yeah, yeah definitely, but, but not a lot. Um, and it's not because, like, I am worried about, like, you know, uh, another pandemic or, or something. It's just it's, it's kind of like <laughs> it's a saving... Plandemic, as all the conspiracy theorists say, but like I have it there because I don't know. I I just rather not use it. I guess once you use it, it's gone. That's the thing about yeah. cash. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's 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 not a significant amount by any means. It's not buried in the backyard. It's not you know. It's not that big either. But yeah, there's a bit of stashed. Bit of stashed. You? Yeah, yeah. I've got three or four stashes. Uh, not heaps, but like. <laughs> You know, a few. Just I just That's like excessive. cash. I, for That's me, it's excessive. for me, it's um. You know, like if I don't get through my two hundred bucks each week, I I I put it somewhere. So I don't oh. I don't want to have more than the two hundred bucks. So I go and like in my sock drawer. There's like a few twenties and fifties floating around where That's where maybe obvious. I've not not done uh, anyway. It's anyway. a bit obvious. It's a bit obvious. Far too I, personal. I will, did didn't we I have no a great one listens aunt. to this um, podcast is in the uh, business of theft. Because uh, <laughs> if you could call that a business, hey! But didn't we have a great aunt who who died, and when they sort of started to sort her house out, she had heaps of cash, heaps. literally under her mattress heaps. because her her husband was addicted to gambling, heaps. and she was like, yep. "Stuff this! I'm going to become a bookie." Yep. So she became a bookie and started making a bunch of money and stashed it all under her mattress. You know, this is like some 40, 50 years ago, maybe longer. So that was the the commonplace. How cool yeah. is that? That's gonna I, be. I hate could to, be you. I hate to think it probably is the last decade that we see cash, which is a I don't real like shame. Thinking, I don't like it at all. I don't like it. Anyway, I hit think, us up but, with your feedback, but, by the way. If you're listening, do you use cash? Just flick us a yeah. quick note on or, the gram or email. We'll do our own little little survey and report the results. You know, but sorry, and I just end here. But like, I do wonder: could an event happen? I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent, but could an event happen? in our lifetime that puts us back onto cash. I do wonder that sometimes. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. All right, so last week we talked about uh, the rent in the context of our halfway report card and the vacancy data and, and the rental data was a day or two later than our record. 
So I thought we'd talk about this because, paint a bit of context, vacancy data and mm. the asking rents is to me the most live, real-time indication of demand and supply of housing that we've got in Australia. Um, because, okay. you know, new migrants to a country typically rent and, you know, homes that are literally available get taken up or, or they don't, you know. So mm. balanced market, typically 2 to 3% is a, is a balanced market in terms of a, a vacancy rate. You're, you've always got at least 2% in terms of people, you know, changing houses. Uh, and from a rental's point of view, normally, you know, roughly 1% to 2% above inflation is, is what we typically see. So, um, you know, today that would be sort of 7 8%-ish. Um, as in rents, rents are up by 7 8% as above inflation in, yeah, is. 1% or 2% above inflation typically, yeah. typically. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, what are we seeing? Let's start with, uh, we'll start with <laughs> vacancy rates, hey? I think that's a good place to start. That's right. Um, look, I mean, it depends which city you're looking at, but they're all extremely low, extremely low national vacancy rate. Very fresh data um, for the month of June was 1.3%, Cuz Very low, um, so much below that 2%. Yeah, but, you know, like there'll be some probably negative articles that uh, will come out uh, capitalising on the fact it's gone up. By 0.1 of a percent because at the end of May we're at 1.2, so we've gone from 1.2 to 1.3. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see um, some housing crises on on the loom. <laughs> but really, like, come on, um, not a big difference. I mean, I think it yeah. might even be like a couple of couple of thousand properties nationally, which is nothing. Yeah, well, Brisbane, nothing. Perth, and Adelaide in particular, they're they're all sitting at uh, for Perth and Adelaide nearly half Oof. a percent, and Brisbane one percent, which is. So, so low, like critical low, really concerning low uh, <laughs> numbers, excuse me. Um, I do think too, like another another issue that that, it, that is worth noting is if you actually drill into the detail and look at, mm. say, the inner city, the inner city actually has a higher vacancy rate. So there's a lot of um, available housing, but it's in units mm. in the inner city, which is not ideal, although it's better than nothing, right? Um, we're seeing that, that, that inner city um, vacancy rates are on the up whereas the suburbs is not really changing. So we aren't, even though it is great to see that we're, we're seeing a, a slight increase in the vacancy rate, we're not really building them where we need to be building them, which is in this, the suburbs, you yeah. know, in, in, in sort of the, the bigger accommodation. No, look, I mean, that's exactly right. And, and it's, it's interesting because with the migration and also students coming back, I mean, this, some of that's being plugged as well. But I, I do genuinely believe that some people um, – you know, they, they, they don't want to go back to that teeny tiny inner city apartment lifestyle anymore post-COVID. No. Like they, just, they just don't want to do it even if they can work from home. Um, but also, um, likewise, you don't want to be too far from work. You know, what are the chances of you really moving, like a significant move out of your little pocket um, to go to a place that's got a, a, you know, more accessible rental market? I mean, some people are probably doing it, but you really do, like... You, you base your job around your, your life around your job. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because I want to know what's going on in Canberra and, and Hobart. Like that, <laughs> Hobart's gone from 0.7% <laughs> this time last year to 1.9%. What happened in Hobart? Uh, well, and, and Canberra's yeah. gone from 1% to 2.1%. Every other capital city has, has not moved. So the but only also, increase is there. I, sure I noticed, 
I noticed last week Canberra's house prices have gone down 4% for the year too. So maybe that's just like a mass Canberra exodus, which is interesting too because their um, their median house price hit a million bucks before Melbourne's did, yeah, which yeah. is like by about $50, but very, very strange. Um, let's talk about the weekly asking rent. How, yep. how has that changed well, through, through the cities and the regions? Sydney's out of control. Sydney's 6% up for the quarter, which – Makes sense because, you know, we talked about again last week the fact that uh, 300,000 people have come into Australia already mm. this year and that's up from 200,000 in the whole of 2022. Um, Sydney picks up the majority of our overseas migration. They're seeing 6% increase quarter on quarter, which if you, if you looked at that and, and applied it over a whole year, it would mean that rents are nearly going up by 24%. Um, and asking rent is real time. You know, there's vacancy yes. rents, yes. There's what rents are actually doing, yes, but that's looking mm. at all the 10 million homes throughout Australia. Asking rent is if agents think they can be bullish, if they think that they've got far too many applications um, for, for the, the number of houses that they've got, they can mm. start to be real aggressive on the rents. And 6% in Sydney is huge, 4% in Melbourne, uh, not far behind. And you know, only only marginally lower in, in in Brisbane and Adelaide. They're massive numbers. Nearly all of those are tracking at sort of mid-teens to twenty percent increase on a year-on-year basis. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's just supply. I look at Sydney and I just think supply. <laughs> it's got to be supply. Like I know they're bringing on a lot more apartments, and I'm sure that you know we'll we'll feel a bit of a sugar hit at some point. But it's just supply. There's such a constraint. Well, I'm you know? a bit of a fan of their premier. I reckon he's got the right idea. He seems Ooh. to be really going after the uh, planning regulations. He said, "Look, uh, rental caps aren't the answer. It's only going to make it even less of an incentive for investors and and the like to provide the supply that we need." He said, "No, no, no. We're going to cut out the red tape." So he's going mm. about it the wrong way. Hopefully, you know, he he can uh, he can make it happen. But uh, big issue, probably the biggest issue in Australia today, that or um, uh, energy, I guess. Hey, uh, I do want to move on massive news okay. and it almost got lost we we it came out the day after we recorded last week first mac one of the biggest non-banks in australia Indeed. have dropped their buffer from three percent to two percent so pound a bit of context if you go for a loan in australia today you have to service at three percent above the current interest rate so if interest rates today are six Percent, you've got a service at nine percent, which is massive. And Mental. you know, we've, we've talked about that. Maybe that's slightly un, unfair and, and unlikely. It's there to make sure that people can afford their loans if if rates go up. So, yep. you know, it's it's there for the right reasons. First, Mac, the first bank to drop their buffer from the three percent regulated by APRA. Um, tell me, is that for internal refinances only, or no. is it also for new business? Hello, no. Any mm. any new purchase, any finance product, um, it does follow off the heels of I think it was Westpac and CBA who yep. have a one percent buffer. You're right on just refinances, mm. um, but it's not as broad as this. My my other question too, like it looks great and 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 um, we, we will see more banks doing this, right? Um, but I also wonder too, like okay, the the buffer interest rate two uh, percent on mm. what rate? On what rate? Is it well, seven and yeah, a half? Gonna, is their average be... rate seven and a half? And so then, you know, you're still being serviced at nine and a half. Yeah. 
You know, like yeah. every bank's different. And and this is yeah. also like the point we love to make too is every bank is different. It's not a one size fits all. They're all doing different things. They're all calculating your your earnings, your assets, your liabilities differently. And that's why yeah. it's interesting to see who's doing what and contextually what the numbers actually mean. Yes. You know? And look, I agree. And and I consulted our our, you know, good friend of the podcast, Big Dog, Bernie Big Dog. Um <laughs> to ask him exactly that question. I said, what does it mean? In give yes. me practical terms. He yep. said, well, it depends entirely on the person. But he said, look, I do believe that no matter who you are, it would mean if you, if you, you know, went with First Mac with only a 2% buffer, you can probably borrow 10% more than before they, they changed the policy. That's and he lot. said for some people, he said it might even be high as, as high as 20%. He said it might even be high, as high as 20% if you've got more loans, um, you know, and, and you've got rents and, and the like, it, it has a bigger effect the more properties that you've got. So a 10 to 20% increase in your borrowing capacity. Massive, massive. Yeah, that's significant. That well, is significant. I mean, that's, that's truly the difference between buying or, or not buying if, if you're a serious buyer today. It's a, it's a lot of money. Correct me if I'm wrong, because First Mac also, they, they have um, – like they account eighty percent of of your rent towards uh, income. They do. As whereas some other banks, you know, so fifty, sixty percent, you know, really, really low, very conservative. Whereas First Mac, eighty percent. So factor yeah. that they'll, you know, let's say it is eighty percent. They'll consider eighty percent of your your rental income. Yeah. Um. Plus they're they're shaving off their buffer rate. You know, like they. I could end up with quite a lot of business in the next couple of years just based on on that serviceability calculator that they're using. And again, to your point earlier, you're probably paying about a half a percent higher as no an doubt. interest rate to go with First Mac or any non-bank, yeah. you know, rather hmm. than say the big four or, or the the sort of you know s- call it second tier banks like your St George's, your your um, uh, Bank West, all those sorts of guys, hmm. but. That's what you got to weigh up, don't you? You know, you pay a slightly higher rate, but you can borrow 10 to 20% more. Um, you know, if that's really important for you, then you're probably quite prepared to, to uh, pay the slightly higher rate. And I mean, I, I would probably figure out the difference between how much longer it's going to take me to save the money that I need to go to another bank versus the the higher interest rate. Yeah. And, you know, may, maybe make that decision based on those numbers. You know, if, if it looks like yeah. you're going to need another two years to save the money, to get into a property with another lender, maybe maybe not worth it. Anyway, anyway, we hop yeah. on. It's been interesting to see if other banks follow, but so we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye out that on that and uh, report back to our loyal listeners because uh, that'll probably do us. Do we? Have- the no, run that's, sheet's that's all everything. over the don't- shop today. The formatting's gone haywire. I don't know <laughs> if we had anything else. Nothing Look, jumps just- to mind. It probably wasn't interesting enough if we did. Nothing interesting, but but just don't call me this weekend. I'm binging The Lincoln Lawyer. Season two's out. Ooh. I've read every Michael Connolly book yep. that ever existed. Do not call me. I don't want to hear from you. I'm very extremely busy. There's going to be little bits of popcorn right. all over all over my couch from the ones that miss my mouth whilst I'm watching The Lincoln Lawyer season two on Netflix because holy days, I love that show. Oh, Absolutely I've, I've love just it. Gotta, I've just got to tell Han, be real clear on the rules around <laughs> that, that she can't watch it without me because she's been watching a few oh. shows without me. And did Dean confess, did confess by the way, to being the one who watched that dictator show the other day. She did confess to that to me when I came uh, home. I've got text uh, messages to the contrary. Text oh, messages to rubbish. the contrary. Rubbish. 
Mean, meanwhile, we find out little Davey's three, four months old. He's, he's snuck out of his crib. crib. Oh, man, it's I the can... nation's next dictator. And he's, uh, he's figured out how to. That's disturbing. I'll tell you what, yeah, uh, you, you're in for this later, but the, the, he, he rules the roost in our household. Everything's on Davey's time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If Davey doesn't feel like waking up, then that's just how the day is. We're not getting up. We're not getting up. Yeah. Oh, jeez. All Take right, have a good weekend. Enjoy Take the Lincoln Lawyer. Ways. Let us Thank know. You. Give us a give us a like a review next weekend. Mickey Haller, best best book series of all time. Point point blank. Period. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Double Shot with your favourite cousins Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.